0: Daisy Strongin is a 24-year-old woman, a wife and mom, who attempted to transition into a male at the age of 18. She started on testosterone and then got a double mastectomy, all to live out this idea of finally being a man. Now she is not only a wife and mom, but a Christian. And so she is here to tell us her incredible story, and there are so many lessons for parents in this and also for young people. And this is part one of the story. It was a long and very fruitful conversation. And so there is going to be a part two as well. But today is part one of her testimony. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's goodranchers.com. Code Allie. Daisy, thanks so much for taking the time to join us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So for people who don't know, uh, Daisy was the center of the recent PragerU documentary on detransitioning. And you reached out to me on Instagram. Of course, I saw the documentary and I saw you there, but then you reached out to me on Instagram and you told me a little bit about your story, specifically about your faith and then a little bit about how kind of relatable may have played a, a role in all of that, a small role. Um, and so I wanted to have you on to, to talk to you um, about your story and, and all of that. So I'm kind of going to just give you the floor. I want to back up as early as we can in your life. Tell me a little bit about your upbringing.
1: Um, I had a pretty normal childhood. Um, I My parents divorced when I was around 6 mm-hmm um and then when i was around 9 years old i started having like self-esteem issues i remember i started seeing a therapist whenever i was 9 um mostly talking about the self-esteem issues mm. um i don't know exactly where they originated from because like i said you know i had really good parents they didn't you know plant in the idea in my head that I was not good enough or that I was stupid or anything. I just kind of believe that about myself. And I think it came from comparison Hmm. to other kids, I guess. And, um,
0: do you have siblings?
1: Yes. I have an older brother. Uh, he's my half brother. He's like nine years older than me. Um, so he moved out when I was like about nine eight nine so um but yeah i i was seeing a therapist at the age of nine and then fast forward to when i was about 11 i got my first laptop and um i had basically unrestricted internet access and um my parents like they didn't know what the consequences of that would be mm. at the time because this mm-hmm. was like 2009. Mm. Um so pretty much right away I spent just a lot of time online and mm-hmm. on YouTube mm-hmm. and even before I had my own computer I spent a lot of time on like the family computer, mm-hmm. you know. And um Just, I had a very like kind of ADHD brain where like I always really enjoyed going online because it was just like an infinite, infinite mass of information and entertainment. I I could just go to the next thing and the next thing and the next. And so it got to the point in middle school where I would basically just spend all day online and my parents were concerned about that. Even Um, at school? Not at school but whenever I would come home, yeah. I would. So you're like addicted to it. Yeah, kinda. pretty much. Yeah. And I didn't have a lot of friends. I, I had friends, but I wasn't like, I wasn't that social. I've always been like a more introverted person. Just want to like stay in my head, in my own little world. Mm-hmm. And that mixed with just the depression and the, mental issues that i was having and also just being in middle school yeah just that's a that's a time of weirdness and awkwardness yeah and new feelings and it was it all became very heavy Mm -hmm. on my mind um
0: just feeling like uncomfortable with yourself or bad about yourself that's what was weighing on you
1: definitely um especially as I reached like eighth grade, um, I just noticed that the separations between boys and girls started to become a lot more obvious. Mm -hmm. Cause in in elementary school, I had a lot of guy friends. Like Mm -hmm. I mostly was friends with the boys and Mm -hmm. I did not problematize that. Mm -hmm. Um, But then in eighth grade, I, not only found myself just like wanting to socialize more with boys, but also becoming attracted to boys. Mm-hmm. And also that's probably when the feelings of wanting to be a boy really started to amp up. And mm. I don't know what caused this, to be perfectly honest. Mm. Um, I would say I'm kind of an anomaly uh, in terms of like detransitioners because I don't have any like sexual trauma. Like I was not... Yeah. I was not sexually abused, thank God.
0: Right. Um, Yeah, that is a common thing that I hear a lot from female, uh, you know, females who have tried to transition so-called into a man, detransition, is that there's almost always a sexual trauma component.
1: But that's not not your story. No. And I will say, um, the feelings of being a boy didn't just come out of nowhere in eighth grade. They go back to when I was like probably four years old. Mm -hmm. I remember watching movies and just wanting to emulate male characters and not relating to female characters at all. And I remember even like saying to my parents, I'm a boy, or I would say like, I'm half boy, half girl, things like that. And that was like, you know, obviously way before I ever knew about what transgender was. So I don't know where that comes from. Um, Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Been trying to figure that out but I yeah. yeah um
0: so did you you said that you were seeing a therapist at the age of age at the age of nine because yeah. of feelings of inadequacy not liking yeah. yourself um maybe even depression and anxiety yes um and were you seeing that therapist continuously throughout elementary and middle school
1: mm, I saw him for maybe two years and then I saw a a different therapist in eighth grade. Um, Were they helpful, would you say? Eh, yeah. I guess. I mean, it's always helpful to kind of vocalize your feelings and to have someone maybe like give a different perspective on it from like an outsider perspective and someone who obviously is – a psychiatrist who could maybe help you understand where these feelings are coming from. But Mm -hmm. I still just felt like, just very much like, I have no idea. Like there's something wrong with me. Mm. I just felt very like alien. And I know like that's normal for middle schoolers to feel that. But I just felt like it was even more so because I was Mm -hmm. like, why do I want to cross dress all the time? Mm -hmm. Why do I want to have short hair? Why do I want to look like Justin Bieber and not like like I was? I, yeah, yeah. It was, it was um, all just. I felt like I was very strange in in a way again that I, problematized. Yeah, and I started questioning my sexuality. I was like, does this mean that I'm, lesbian because I'm not? But I want to look so butch, and you know that's how I, you know. At the time, I was like, that if you're a girl and you wanna look like a boy, that probably means that you're gay, but I'm not. I I was just very confused.
0: Yeah. All right, let me take a quick pause to tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Seven Weeks Coffee. Seven Weeks Coffee is providing excellent coffee and also promoting godly values. They're unapologetically pro-life. Uh, 10% of every sale is donated to a pregnancy center across the country. In their first year, they've raised over two hundred and fifty. They are now supporting over 750 pro-life organizations, pro-life organizations that are offering all kinds of counseling and resources for parents in crisis, moms who are pregnant to ensure that they feel loved and supported enough to be able to choose life for their child. This is premium coffee. We love it in our home and we just love that they are saving Preborn lives with our dollars. So go to sevenweekscoffee.com. Let your coffee serve a greater purpose. Use code Allie to save ten percent on your order. That's sevenweekscoffee.com. Code Allie. Sevenweekscoffee.com. Code Allie. Are you scared of those feelings?
1: Um, at first, yes, because. Again, at this time, this is like 2012. So I didn't know what transgender was. I mean, I knew, but it was like very like taboo. Mm -hmm. I did not, I don't even think I knew that trans men existed. Um, So yeah. And I kind of went back and forth for a while between like, so in eighth grade, I very much looked like a boy and kind of wanted people to think I was a boy. Mm. Um, And then when I entered ninth grade, uh, which was high school, I was like, okay, I need to stop. I need to stop doing this. I want a boyfriend. (laughs) Like I want to make myself look more feminine. And I did enjoy that in a way. I, um there were times where I felt pretty and but those feelings were still there and I would still like try to cross-dress in in private yeah yeah um so
0: it was beyond feeling like you're a tomboy Because that's one thing where girls are like, yeah, I just don't like dresses and I like to play sports. But there was something almost you felt like it was a subversive desire that you had to not just be a little bit more masculine, but to dress like to cross dress. Yeah. Right. Like you felt like you needed to kind of keep it secret in a way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially when I saw how um, just. It made me like when I did cross-dress, like, and have short hair in eighth grade and, you know, tried to look like a boy, it didn't really, it didn't exactly help my social life. It kind Mm. of, um, led to some bullying. Mm. So I was like, okay, I should probably just fit in. It's fine. Like, I'll grow my hair out and, you know, I'll just change myself. And so... Yeah, freshman year, I was kind of more feminine, and um, then I just got the urge to cut my hair again in Mm. like sophomore year.
0: Uh, What did your what were your were your parents guiding you through this at all, or were they kind of just like do what you want?
1: Yeah, I think they thought it was kind of probably weird when I was cross when I wanted to cross dress all the time or most of the time. they didn't, like, say anything like, you have to stop this, but they probably thought it was odd. And um, my mom really encouraged me in my femininity when I um, seemed to become more interested in that. And um, and I do remember I, I really had to beg her to let me cut my hair for that second time mm. because... Um, she actually was worried that I was going to start like wanting to transition because this Mm. is in like 2014. So, and, and this whole time I'm just like chronically online. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, and I was going to ask about that because you did, you kind of teased that a little bit, how you Mm -hmm. got your laptop when Mm -hmm. you, when it was 2009 and you were kind of addicted to being online. Um, What do you think, like what effect did that have? And, And, and like what sites were you visiting?
1: Yeah. So, I spent a lot of time on YouTube and Tumblr. I originally got on Tumblr because I was a huge nerd and I really liked Doctor Who and Sherlock and I really liked, you know, I would spend time in like those fandom communities. I wasn't at all looking for gender-related stuff at first. Um, But then that the gender tumblr stuff and the doctor who sherlock stuff there's some intersection Mm. because i think that a lot of the girls that were in those fandoms also felt like they didn't fit in and were just kind of outcasts and a lot of them happened to have the same weird gender feelings Mm. if you will um
0: yeah i don't know anything about that
1: yeah. that world. Yeah. Um, but I basically came across something that was talking, was defining this term called genderqueer. And mm. I was like, what is that?
0: Like in, this is 2014? 2013, 2013. 2013. That you, so like right when you were in high school, you yeah, came across yeah. this? Okay. I think
1: I was um, a freshman. Okay. And it was basically saying genderqueer is when you feel like you're, neither male nor female or like you're a bit of both. And I really resonated with that. Like, oh yeah, I do feel like I'm both. Because I do like to look masculine, but I also like to look feminine. Mm-hmm. That must I'm I must be genderqueer then. Mm. Because I have this like variance of you know different ways of wanting to express myself. Um and at first I was like, this isn't gonna like take over my life or anything. I'm just gonna resonate with this privately. I'm not going to like go and change my pronouns. I don't want to deal with that. Um, But I'm glad I found this term and I'm really, I feel um, a lot less bad about myself because Mm -hmm. there are other people who are like me, who have similar interests, who actually feel the same way. So at first I was like, this is a very positive thing. And, you know, I was naive and um, had... You know, I, I've always been like a, a very open person, so the idea of someone identifying as both a boy and a girl—it's not like that was weird or nonsensical to me. It just—it really felt like me. So mm-hmm. that's kind of when it started. Yeah. And then I kind of fell into a rabbit hole of all of these other like different made-up identities um, regarding gender and people. You know, it's not like I was groomed by adults to believe I was trans. It was other people. It was other young people, mostly young girls who were um, sharing their own interior experiences. And again, it did not seem like a negative thing at all. But I've always been kind of an obsessive person and I got a little obsessed with it. So, and you're talking about stories that you were reading online, yes, yeah. yeah, just um, the idea of identifying as not a girl, I guess,
0: yeah, on like Tumblr, mostly Reddit, YouTube, um,
1: yeah, Tumblr and YouTube because then I started watching YouTube videos of people uh documenting their transition, mm. so the idea of me being a trans guy was still like, oh, I'm not that. Cause I like to look pretty and I don't hate my body. Like when I went through puberty, I did not, I was fairly indifferent about the changes that were happening. Hmm. Um, so I didn't really have physical dysphoria and I was attracted to boys. Mm-hmm. So there were a lot of red flags that I kind of ignored of like, hey, maybe this actually doesn't make any sense for you to identify as a boy. But if you take that and, you know, oh, I've been saying I wanted to be a boy since I was four, Mm -hmm. that's very much in line with the narrative. Mm -hmm. And um, the feelings were very consistent. And I just felt more like almost like a sense of euphoria when I looked in the mirror and thought that I looked like a boy. Mm. So, you know, there were a lot of things that I started connecting the dots and as I sort of dove into the gender community, I guess you could say, um, it started to become very I, I started to convince myself that like I I'm probably trans because there were a lot of influencers saying things like, if you think you tra- you're trans, you probably are. Mm. And Just that being trans is something that is inerrant and Mm -hmm. or inherent and spiritual Mm -hmm. and can't be changed. And that's also, unfortunately, when I this is probably 2014, 2015, when I started to hear things like if you're trans and you don't transition, you'll probably off yourself at some point, Mm. Um, which is so upsetting because. Yeah. nobody has the authority to tell someone that they're going to kill themselves yeah. or like.
0: It's almost like a threat, you know, but it's like, yeah. it's a different kind of threat because they're not saying I'm going to do something to you, but if you don't do this, you're going to do this to yourself. Yes. And a I lot was like having, Satan,
1: actually. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was not, I was not doing well mentally. Um, I haven't gone, that much into my mental health state in high school, but I was very depressed and still very like, had a lot of self-loathing and just, um so the idea that I might kill myself one day, it's not like it was out of the question. I Mm. felt like I was very emotionally weak and vulnerable at that time. Mm. And I knew what it felt like to, have suicidal thoughts so hearing that it went in like two years it went from being just like this silly little label that I felt like fit me and just like kind of a personality trait really to this is life and death.
0: All right, let me tell you about Adele Natural Cosmetics. I have loved this company for a very long time. I switched uh, I switched to using their products a few years ago, all their skincare, and when I'm not on camera, their makeup as well, uh, because I love that all of their products are made with holistic, natural ingredients. There's nothing fake in them. There's nothing I can't pronounce. Everything is from God's Medicine Cabinet. This is a family-owned company that uh, was started several years ago because the owner, Arlene, had her own health problems, and she wanted to make sure that the things that she was putting on her body were actually good for her. And so I've seen a really big difference in my skin, a more even tone, a lot more moisturized. I really encourage you to check them out. Um, They're a pro-life company, and so you can feel really good about spending your money here too. Go to AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com, enter code Allie for 25% off your first time purchase. That's Naturalcosmetics.com code Allie for 25% off your first time purchase. AdeleNaturalCosmetics.com, code Allie.
1: 2015 is when I came to the conclusion that I needed to transition fully.
0: And you're how old at this point?
1: Seventeen. I had just turned seventeen.
0: Okay. And did your parents know that you were going through this in your head? Um, I think
1: Yeah, I remember coming out to my dad as genderqueer in like 2013 and him just like not understanding it at all. He's like, I don't know why you're telling me that you're a tomboy. Like it's it's not a big deal. Yeah. (laughs) I was Yeah, he didn't know what to do with that. Like Yeah. And I, I was like I really wanted them to get it. I really wanted them to understand me. Um, Mm. But. And did you still
0: have a therapist at this point that you were telling these things to?
1: Yes. So I've seen three different therapists in my youth. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one at nine. There was one in eighth grade. And then there was one that I started seeing from age like 15 to 22, actually. So I saw her for a long time. And I did articulate these feelings to her. And she didn't, she actually did not affirm me, but she also didn't say like, no, you're not trans or no, your feelings are wrong, which I think honestly is the job of a therapist to do. You know, she would ask me like, where do you think these feelings come from? She wasn't quick to say like, yes, you should do this or no, you shouldn't do this. Um, and so... You know, I told my parents in 2015, like, hey, I think I'm actually a boy inside. And I tried my best to describe it. And again, they just were like, so I don't, you're a masculine woman, like just be a masculine woman. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not a woman at all. And I tried Mm -hmm. desperately for them to get that because these were really strong feelings that I had. Mm -hmm. Um, And i really I was very nervous that they would react negatively, and I wanted to try to frame it in a way that made them sympathetic to it um, and overall their reaction was uh negative. Um, they were pretty, especially as I actually started to take steps to medically transition they were pretty horrified by it yeah they did not know what to do to stop me though because once i turned 18 like they didn't really have the authority to keep me from getting on testosterone and
0: did you have the money to do that yourself
1: it wasn't expensive Mm. it was like i think i spent like 60 dollars getting it and did Um, you
0: have to get a sign off from a psychiatrist
1: no not for the testosterone really no
0: you were able to just where did you go to get it?
1: Um, I went to a clinic in Chicago. It wasn't Planned Parenthood. I don't know if I should say the name of the yeah. clinic, but Okay.
0: I was curious if it was Planned Parenthood. So it was just a clinic. And you just walked in and said, I want testosterone and they gave it to you?
1: Um, yeah, pretty much. So I called and I wow. made I I called them and I said, Hi, I'm interested in going your informed consent route which is basically the route where you have to be 18 plus but you don't need a letter from a therapist um and they said and they made an appointment with me and i remember it was august 18th 2016. Mm. um and i was like well they're probably it's exciting that i have the appointment but it's probably like super psychoanalytical they're probably not going to give me the hormones right away um, and then I went in and I think they asked me, like, how long have you been identifying as trans? Do you have gender dysphoria? And I was like, yes, I feel disconnected from my femaleness, which is which was true. You know, I didn't lie to get what I wanted. Um, and yeah, so they not only prescribed me the hormones but i did my first shot there Mm. because they were like well you need to know how to do this um and they were very congratulatory and i remember walking out and like there was another uh trans person waiting there being like congratulations and everyone was just like very happy for me very affirming i could see
0: how that would give anyone euphoria Yes. Especially if you're someone who felt kind of like displaced in their own body mm-hmm. for so long and felt not affirmed in a lot of ways, um to finally feel like wow, people are congratulating me for living authentically, this is yeah. going to solve my problems. I could I could see how that would be attractive.
1: Yeah. And the reason why I went on testosterone so quickly um, cause I had been identifying as a boy for about a year at that point. And um, you had
0: tried to change your pronouns in your name?
1: Yeah, I changed my pronouns in my name as soon as I like realized, uh, that I, you know, was trans or thought I was trans, but, um, I wanted to go on hormones so quickly because I was not passing. I did not, you know, my voice was very feminine and strangers were still calling me miss and people were tripping up all the time and calling me she, that's when I started to problematize my body Mm. and my God given traits and feeling like, okay, everything about me is wrong. Like not just meant like not just psychologically or socially or whatever, but physically like, my breasts are a birth defect and my voice is wrong. I should have been, I was born in the wrong body. I should have been born in a male body. And I did not go through a male puberty and that's a huge problem. I'm 18 years old and I look like a 12 year old boy, if anything. So I felt like there was a sense of urgency to get on hormones and to fix the horrible problem that was my body.
0: All right. Let me tell you about Cozy Earth. We love Cozy Earth. I love their loungewear, their blankets, their sheets. We've got it in multiple rooms in our house, our guest room, our room. We just love our Cozy Earth sheets. They are so soft, so luxurious. I love that they're temperature regulating. They keep you cool all year round when you're sleeping. And they have an awesome discount going on right now for relatable listeners. You can save up to 35% On your first order. This is a great gift. This is a great gift for yourself if you've got a loved one with a birthday coming up. Uh, Luxurious sheets, great wedding gift too. If you're looking at some weddings later this year, uh, then you should consider getting them the gift of Cozy Earth absolutely love all their stuff. Go to CozyEarth.com, use code RELATABLE, save up to 35% on your first order, all backed by a 100-night sleep trial. That's CozyEarth.com, code RELATABLE, CozyEarth.com, code RELATABLE. So you started on the testosterone when you were 18. Mm -hmm. And like, how exactly does that work? I've had a few detransitioners on the show and Mm -hmm. They've kind of said different things, but like, did they just send you home with a box of testosterone shots and you self-administered those? Like, did you have an endocrinologist or anyone who was checking up on you to make sure like you weren't injecting
1: them all at the same time or anything? Yeah, I had a couple of follow-up meetings with an endocrinologist, um, but they didn't watch me particularly closely. Um, I do remember... One at one point I had asked to like increase my dosage um, because I felt like it wasn't working quick enough and so I was injecting I don't remember what the exact amount was but then I came back to get my levels checked and they said that oh this is way too much and mm. if you if you inject too much then it's going to convert back into estrogen actually. So they they really were also they were not focused on the scientific side of it as like they were also obsessed with the aesthetics. Like I remember asking me like so what do you want to look like? Do you want a beard? Do you want to be super buff? I'm like it's not possible for me to be super buff first of all. Mm. <laughs> like I tried. It's not I but it yeah, it was it was like The way that they viewed bodies it was like they were so they're so customizable you know um and i just remember like some red flags going up like one of the doctors that i saw at one of my follow-up visits went by um went by dinosaur pronouns like sore sore self what yeah and i was like did you
0: have to try to like respect those pronouns like Oh my goodness! It was like one. Of, it was like, like one joke. of the
1: options. It was like, oh, I like he, oh. they, or sore, and I'm like, come again. She's like, yeah, like dinosaur. I was like, valid. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, well, we're told that that has to be valid, just as valid as anything else. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: And I was like, I don't know. I think I was probably 19 at that time, and I remember thinking that's a little kooky. Like Much you're free. a do- you're a doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah, it was definitely a weird experience there. And then, two years on the hormones, I is when I had the double mastectomy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, at and twenty, did you
0: have a, were you in college? Did you have a job?
1: Yeah, I was in college and I had a job. Um, I I really wanted to just like blend in. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't transition for attention or anything. I just wanted to, you know, make myself look as male as possible mm-hmm. and be stealth, which is basically when right. nobody knows that I'm trans and everyone just sees me as a guy. Yeah. Um,
0: and how did you feel after you started
1: um, going on
0: testosterone mentally and physically?
1: Um, really good in some ways so oh I forgot to mention this this is pretty significant so uh at the end of high school I became very suicidal and mm. was starting to have like a a plan um mm. and I went to the hospital and I was in an inpatient program and I was identifying as trans at this time. But because I was not Because you
0: attempted suicide or
1: just because um, you told
0: you knew that you were about to I, try?
1: Yeah, I knew I was about to try. And I mm. and I told my mom about it and she uh was like, Okay, that's it. We're taking you to the hospital. Oh, thank
0: God you told your mom.
1: Yeah. I mean I was I was having like a mental breakdown. But yeah. um yeah, so I was identifying as trans. I was not on testosterone yet. So I still looked basically like a female or maybe like a very young boy. Um and I spent 6 days in this um inpatient mental health facility and none of the doctors there asked really like they knew I was trans, but they didn't they didn't relate that to any of my other problems. Um They kind of just seem to see that as just like, oh, yeah, that's normal. That's valid, you know. Um, And literally two months after I was released is when I went on hormones. And they also prescribed me Zoloft, like a high dose. So I went on Zoloft and went on testosterone at the same time. And nobody really bat an eye at it or, you know, questioned if maybe that would have adverse effects. I was manic. I was very I felt like a different person. I felt like I had a very different psychology cuz wow. I think the testosterone gave me a lot of energy. Yeah. Um I was That's what I've heard. uncontrollably angry Gosh. in a way that I had never felt before. I felt like whenever I would get angry, I wanted to like actually like hurt people or just like punch something or just like physically express that anger. And, uh, it just, you know, it put me through a male puberty. Yeah. So it was very, um, it was very overwhelming to deal with. Um, and I think, I don't know exactly how it interacted with the Zoloft, but, um, I remember thinking, oh, this, these feelings of like feeling manic is, because that's how my therapist actually described it. I've never been diagnosed with with bipolar, but she was like, you are exhibiting, you're like scaring me. Like mm-hmm. you're talking a mile a minute, you're exhibiting behavior of someone who's going through a manic episode. And I thought, oh, it must be the Zoloft, <laughs> mm-hmm. not not the testosterone. That can't have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, when you're manic, you kind of feel good, but it's also a very dangerous. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but what I was told is it is actually a very dangerous place to be in. And you're actually more likely to harm yourself um, because you make it makes you like make very rash decisions Mm -hmm. and it makes you act much more impulsively. Um, And yeah, I definitely. Yeah, felt that happening. So it was a really uh, strange time for me. I kind of felt like I went crazy a little bit.
0: And the clinic administering or giving you the testosterone, they didn't say, hey, like, are you on any, like, uh, mental health medications or do you have a history of mental health? Um, Were they concerned at all with underlying conditions?
1: I don't recall them asking me that. Yeah. No.
0: Well, obviously, even if they did ask you, it didn't stop them from no. giving you the testosterone and celebrating yeah. your transition. Okay, Good Ranchers has an awesome deal going on right now for the new year good ranchers it's american meat delivered all their meat is from american farms and ranches and when you subscribe to any box so that box meat shows up at your front door every month they will add over two pounds of pre-trimmed better than organic chicken breast to your order for free. That's almost a $200 value, $189 of free chicken added to your box when you subscribe now. Plus when you use my code Allie, you get $20 off your first order. Use my code Allie for $20 off your first order. Go to goodranchers.com, use code Allie at checkout. That's goodranchers.com, code Allie. After you were on testosterone for a couple of years, you said that you went to get a double mastectomy. At this point, you're what twenty? Yeah, twenty-one. Nineteen twenty. Okay, nineteen twenty. Okay. Um,
1: yeah. So I was looking for uh, a surgeon in Chicago who would do it. It it wasn't it wasn't particularly hard to find one because at this point, the whole transgender thing in culture was probably like. At its peak point of acceptance at this point, because um, Caitlyn Jenner had just come out and it was a huge, you know, part of the social yeah, conversation. Yeah, I remember that. yeah. And um, I think at first, generally, the culture was just kind of like, okay, yeah, you do you, you know, if like gender dysphoria, it's in the DSM-5, you know trans people seem to be happy like so it wasn't it wasn't hard to find someone i don't think it would be now but um so i called this surgeon's office and there was a longer wait list they couldn't get me in quickly but that's because there were a lot of people seeking the surgery mm. um and so i think i waited maybe six to eight months before I had the consultation mm-hmm. where she she did tell me, like, you won't be able to breastfeed if you get this surgery. And I was fully operating under the assumption that I would be trans for the rest of my life. And, yeah. you know, I would have told you that I wanted to have a family, but at th- at the time, having biological children and breastfeeding was like not important to me at all. I was like, I don't, I'm a man. I'm not, why would I get pregnant? You know? Yeah. Um. So I probably thought that I was actually going to do surrogacy, which, you know, I thought was just like this great thing. Um, also being completely ignorant of how expensive it is mm-hmm. to do something like that. Um, or maybe I would adopt and, you know, I don't like, I think it takes a very, very special type of person to adopt a child. And so I, you know, I wasn't really sure about that, but I was like, whatever, I'll be like 35 when I want to do that. So yeah. I'll figure it out. Um, so that's, that's why I still decided to go through with it, despite knowing that I wouldn't be able to breastfeed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, the top surgery, it was scheduled. Um, I'm not sure how long after that, Consultation, maybe f- maybe four to six months, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I went in and I got up really early at like five a.m. and went in and my parents sh- showed up and they were really visibly sad about it. Mm. Um, it's makes me really sad now thinking about like. Yeah. What must have been going through their heads? I remember my grandmother called me the night before, and she's like the spiritual matriarch of my family. Like, she's, she, um, she passed away about a year ago, God rest her soul, but she was just, she called me crying and she asked me, like, has your heart turned to stone? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I just hearing that from her, I was like, man, that is, she's never said anything like this to me before. (laughs) Like, She's never sounded so desperate, and I did it anyway.
0: I hope you enjoyed part one of that conversation. Part two will include uh, more about her testimony and um, how she came to faith in God. And so you won't want to miss that. We will be back with that segment of the conversation very soon. Thanks so much for listening and watching. We will see you again next time.